again. He gets the edge and he's brilliantly caught by Kawaja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single for the first time in the Australian summer. An Australian batsman gets the chance to kiss the bat. Head down the pitch. He drives. This could be it. He beats him off. The arm is in the air already. There's nothing quite like your first test century. The Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible. This is Test Cricket. Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe. This is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis. The Test Cricket action has gotten underway finally this summer. We have the first tests, which we are witnessing right now at the Gabba. It's the second innings of Pakistan, and we can talk you through it live here on Stumps Around the Country today. Jordan Cornelis and Bryce McGain with you and currently it's all going in Australia's way they are into the second innings Pakistan and trailing by 315 runs after Australia were bowled all out for 580 the heroes of the innings Manus Labashane and David Warner Bryce McGain pleasure to see you in uh, what we can now officially call test cricket season. Yeah, we've definitely started, Jordan. Great to be here again. And uh, as I always say in in test cricket, you you always got to judge a pitch on how the second team bat on it. And I think we're judging it right now. It's a belter. It's a run feast. And Australia are seriously outclassing Pakistan up at the Gabba at the moment. What did you make of the pitch, if we go back to day one? Because they were talking about it. There was... Bit of, lots of green on it. Yeah. It was pretty bouncy. It was um, seeming. Pretty bold, mo- pretty bold move by Pakistan as well. Yeah. To, to win the toss and bat in those conditions. We've seen it many times. The touring teams might go, oh, we're going to have a bowl first. Mm. And that ends up going pear-shaped pretty quick as well. Australia have polled on plenty of runs. But pretty bold by them. Yeah. I mean, they probably would have known the history of Australia at the Gabba and how, how dominant the Aussies have been and said, well, let's try and take away that first innings advantage of Australia yep. building runs in that first innings and getting on top right away. Let's see if Pakistan, if we can build some runs for ourselves, but ended up going the other way in the end and Australia bowled well on it. And then in the following innings, Pakistan couldn't really get what Australia had uh, when they were um, bowling on it in Australia, 580, which ended only a couple, about half an hour ago as we record. Well, completely dominant. Um, Dave Warner, he just loves batting in Australia. We see a complete contrast of how he's batting in England, uh, indecisive, poor foot movement, pushing the hands at the ball in all sorts of issues. And that's with the moving ball just seems really settled now. He's had a good three shield games to get himself all set. Um, he's back home and then leads into a gabber, 154 at the top of the innings. And then Manus Labashain, 185. Yeah. Now that did surprise me. Really? Yeah, it did. I, I'd seen uh, him play and, and get some 50s. He wasn't incredibly sharp at the MCG against Victoria. He, he was steady and fought, but um, not as sharp as what I had expected of a test number three. But, uh, well, he's performed exceptionally well, 185, and uh, his test average now is up above 40. Good luck to him. It, it is funny. As you say, his his domestic form hadn't been scintillating, had it? Had, I mean, he'd, he'd had starts. He'd had a couple yep. of 50s, but didn't look like – Probably it didn't really look like at any point through his domestic season so far that he would go on to make a really big score in either the Shield or the One Days. Um, and today he's been able to do that by uh, recording 185, which is, by the way, his first test ton, and he almost made 200 from it. 185 is still pretty damn good. Um, and he is, uh, yeah, I mean, 
he's looking like the the locked and loaded number three for Australia now. Yeah, the pleasing thing is is that I guess the the knock on him has been he scores fifties, but then doesn't go on with it. And I have no doubt that spending time around Justin Langer. And uh, it's not just Justin Langer telling him, hey, we need players that get 50 and then make it big. Um, I'm sure that has an influence, but it's how to do that over a long, long period of time. He's faced 279 balls um, b- before being dismissed. He's made great decisions throughout his innings. Um, so, you know, credit to him. We're seeing the evolution of him, and we're probably seeing what the selectors have trusted so much, and they they and probably what the coaches know that they can turn the next bit, we can turn this player into a, a guy who can bat for a long period of time because he's got that genuine resilience. So it's terrific to see that development right in front of our eyes. Is the resilience the thing that stands out to you the most about Marnus Labashain from what we've seen in the middle of the year when he got his first proper crack at it mm. as a middle-order batsman in the Ashes and then what we've been able to see over the last two days? Yesterday, he looked very likely. Today, he went on and made that big score. Is it the resilience? Are there other things about the way he, he bats as a batsman that you like that maybe he stands out a bit differently from the others? Well, it, it probably is around that resilience. He, he, he loves cricket so much. And I think that goes a long way to um, having the will and the desire to keep doing the work. He has genuine determination to perform. Uh, and, and so they're all things that have been there as part of his makeup. Um, sometimes that can be uh, interpreted as a, a little self-centered um, because he, he wanted to do and do so well himself. Um, that, that's sort of been observed in shield cricket a little bit. But he's now been able to formulate that into a position that he can really shift a, a game and influence a game a great deal now. He did it a little bit in the ashes when he was gritty and he came in as a as a sub and he got hitting the hitting the grill and and then just kept batting and and batted for a, a long uh, period of time when the other batsmen were failing around him. But uh, look, he's just taken it to the next level and credit to him. He loves the game. He works hard. He deserves everything he gets. Is he? I don't want to jump the gun because he's only had a couple of innings wearing the baggy green. Um, So I'm not going to say is he the best that we've had, but is he the best possible candidate that we've had for that number three spot in the last couple of years that we've been looking, Australia have, to fill that spot at uh, at first drop? Best candidate? Yeah, and you look back to the one, the one that really stood up in the past is Ricky Ponting. Like he, he's the, the the genuine one. I guess we've searched around a bit, haven't we? Yeah. Not not another one comes to mind. That we've had others playing that role, mm-hmm. but one that really comes to mind um, is obviously Ricky Ponting. But that's what we need. We need batsmen who get starts suppose, who then go on. I suppose since Ricky Ponting, we yep. haven't filled that position. No, that's right. And we're sort of looking for them and searching for them. But I think the selectors have made the good call here. They've put a lot of trust in in Marnus and terrific there. Is Steve? Smith gone stone cold now after being out for four. <laughs> Should we give him it's a... unlikely, isn't it? He's going to make runs. If he's missed out now, he's going to make runs. Bad luck to uh, the Pakistanis in next test and um, New Zealand. Bad luck because he is just going to dine out now. For him to miss yeah. out on a yeah. test innings, he is going to, well, he just does. He, he will, and he'll continue to bat well. Saw some cheeky comments on social media saying he should be dropped for Sean Marsh. <laughs> he's got better recent form with his double century. Uh, Steve Smith with the slowest hundred he's ever made recently. Yeah, look, a, a terrific banter with, with all that. Good to see Matthew Wade. I, I, I really think, look, I'm probably um, a little disappointed that he got 60 and then um, mm. went out. But look, for him to go on and, and, and get 100 would have been absolutely ideal. And that, that would really be a, a powerful show of strength with Steve Smith missing out.
and I think Australia yep. need to be able to do that when Steve Smith isn't firing and 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 uh, and performing well that the rest re- really do stand up and good contributions from the rest and well 580 puts him in an all- enormously powerful position in this game. I thought Matthew Wade's partnership today with with Marnus Labuschagne very impressive. They never looked like slowing down. They were keeping the run rate at a very constant pace. Matthew yep. Wade I don't know what his strike rate was in the end, but I think it would have yeah, been about 51. Yeah, yeah, so 60 off 97 balls. Yeah. He was batting constantly, just keeping that strike ticking over, keeping the runs ticking over, never really dried up. Um, not, I mean, it never really did at all for Australia through the or every partnership, but I thought Matthew Wade in particular. Coming up the order too, which was, we haven't seen that, Matthew Wade batting at five and uh, Travis head down at six. Yep. They've clearly identified that Wade's probably had the better form and the better lead in um, uh, heading into this, and they've shown him shown a lot of faith in him. Um, to to bat one spot higher, and he's I think for his sixty he fulfilled that, and I I think he will get a ton at some point this summer. Yeah, yeah, and look at uh, I think he will too. I, I think he's really settled in. I think he's balancing his life now with Matthew Wade is so much better. Um, you know he said it himself publicly, but ha- having kids now, um, cricket's not the be all and end all. He and I played with him for Victoria, and he, and he was self driven, self motivated, and it was a lot about him and how he could perform and get the best out of himself and fulfil his dreams. But now there's a, a balance to what he he, he does. He's he, he was working on the tools there for a little while uh, down in Hobart. The move back home has probably helped settle him as well, having lots of family around and the kids. And, you know, he's just making a great life of it. And now the second time around, he's going, well, I can just go and enjoy this now rather than have the the, the, the pressure of um, that he's putting on himself to go and perform. So I think that's terrific. But uh, Australia with the ball, well, they continue yeah. on, don't they? They do. They've just taken another wicket as we watch live here in the studios. Three for 25 now, Pakistan. Uh, so Australia's come out at the end of uh, day number three in this final session and have already taken the uh, top order as are Ali out for five, Harris Sahail out for eight and Asad Shafiq out for naught off just six balls. So Babar Azam coming in and Shan Masood uh, is uh, still out there in the middle. And uh, who's taking the wickets? Mitch Stark's taken two. Pat Cummins has taken one. Yeah, and just having a look at um, Harris Sahail, the way he went out is exactly the subcontinent. Left-hander, and he played a ball for a boundary just between gully and point. So he, he stood up tall and uh, played with an open face. And if you're doing that on a bouncy wicket, particularly at these guys' paces, it's so risky. And the Australians would have just gone, ah, terrific. Keep keep playing that shot. We'll see how long it lasts. And it didn't last the end of the over because he went to do it again. The ball got big outside edge and uh, the rest is history. So is that their tendency? Batsman from the subcontinent is to play, is to, to see the ball come in maybe a bit, a bit lower, but in Australia it comes up a lot higher. Yeah, it's not only the bounce, but it's where you need to play the ball. So you need to play on these conditions pretty much with a full face of the bat. You don't want to be playing with an open face to the bat and gliding the ball behind point or through the gully area, that then does take the outside edge. You need to be playing with a full face. So getting your head in line with the ball, full face, or playing cross bat shots, cuts, pulls, horizontal bat shots, rather than that sort of vertical bat glide away because that takes the outside edge. What's been the story or the controversy of this test so far? No balls? Yeah, I was going to say. Unbelievable. Day one. How can they get that so wrong? (laughs) There was... I thought there was a clear gap between the heel and the back edge of that line. There was at least a little strip that you could see. So it's not only that, like the wicket and all that, and it, like that's a that's a bad call. But then when Pakistan were bowling the next day, the amount of no balls that were delivered, mm. like it was it was over twenty that they missed. So they they were able to show that yeah. the for 
international umpires at that level to be missing those things. I tell you what, I've had an extraordinary two weeks of looking at umpiring decisions. I, I was uh, in, in my commentary. Uh, I was with the the Victorian game, and they were against Queensland. There was ball that nicked a second slip, yep. and, and it was given not out. Uh, that was late in the game, and Queensland thought, oh, that's the opportunity gone. They ended up wrapping up the game and, and winning and, and did particularly well. There, there was a... a, a, a I was doing a WBBL game, and Lazelle Lee went out to a, just about a shoulder-height full toss off a medium pace. He got caught at deep backward square, and the Scorchers girls really didn't appeal anyway. And so everyone was looking at each other. The umpires were looking as well, and she had to walk off. It was just extraordinary. So I've seen, <laughs> I've seen some amazing things. So nothing surprising me at the moment with the umpiring. But uh, I guess it gets highlighted um, because there is so much cricket that is publicly shown now, which is terrific. But it certainly is um, highlighted that they're just missing just, well, definable moments, that's for sure. Yeah, Australian cricket fans in particular, I suppose, are fed up after the Ashes series during the middle of the year. And now, I mean, these umpires, Richard Kettleborough and Richard Illingworth, are, I think are two of the best in the world, especially Kettleborough. Yeah. And they've they've had a few howls already. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, you'd, you'd expect more. And I wonder why it is. I wonder if they want to get the, the decision down the pitch so right that they're just quickly glancing up from looking down at the front foot. Maybe it's time to go to the technology. Every ball gets checked. And then if it is a no ball afterwards, well, it's a no ball. And we call them. As soon as they get called, the bowlers come back. Don't worry about that. They're not going to keep doing it. Yeah, they won't yeah. keep overstepping. As long as they know, oh, we're overstepping, right, I'll bring it back. Well, mostly they can. Some really lose the plot and uh, <laughs> keep overstepping. But uh, no, they'll just come back and they just need to know those things. So is it clear, and we'll analyse this a bit further next with Daniel Cherney from The Age. Yeah. Um, is it clear that now Australia are going to try and wrap this up by an innings margin? Uh, most comfortably. I yes. can see that happening. Yep. Absolutely, Jordan. Yeah. Look, the it, it's just set up for Australia now. Um, the Pakistanis have been out there for the best part of two days. They're exhausted. Yeah. They're, they're completely worn out. It's very hot up there at the moment. And, uh, well, Australia are just making them pay now. I think they're out in the field for about 10 hours. So, oh, yeah, they're pretty... that'd be bad enough. Imagine doing that, just standing up, <laughs> doing something simple, not playing cricket and concentrating. Imagine, yeah. I don't know, if it's gardening or something like that and it's stinking hot. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. Right, Daniel Cherney, as I said, is on the way. He's from the age. He's been watching every ball, and uh, he will dissect it a bit further with him next. Coming up later on in the show, Amelia Kerr from the Brisbane Heat WBBL team will join us as well. They are leading the way in the women's big bash, so we'll uh, get the thoughts of uh, one of their uh, key young players, Amelia Kerr from New Zealand. The and leg we'll, spinner. Yeah, I'm we'll, happy with this. Oh, yes. Yeah, happy our, with another leggy. Is it our first leggy? Uh, this season? Yeah, it could be actually, yeah. Yeah, I think could, so. Well, we, we know the record we have though. We, we turbo boost players. We had Kel, Kel Ferguson on, Kel, Kellen Ferguson on last weekend. Yep. So not only was it his birthday week, but he made 200s in the week. This They come on here. They are on fire. We've done it before Co- too. Courtney Webb as well. Courtney Webb. We hits had a six on... off the last ball. We yep. had her on the week before that. Yep. So players are contacting us. So I just need to check with you if Amelia Kerr's got in touch with the producer to say, hey, I want to be on there because I'm gonna, I want to bag this week. Yeah, yeah. They're already doing well. She just wants a bit more now, Amelia Kerr. Very greedy of her. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be on later on in the program, and then we'll wrap everything up later on at the end. This is Stumps, Bryce McGain, Jordan Canellis with you right in the middle of the test, the first test at the Gabba. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps here. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you. Talking the first tests, Australia at the moment uh, have Pakistan at three for 29 as we bring you the scores live from the first 
test at the Gabba. We're not at the Gabba. We're just watching it here. Wish we could be, but anyway, it's Wouldn't on. Wouldn't that be good? We should do that. Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk to the bosses. Yeah, yeah. Get let's, us to fly around the country. Let's get onto that, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Pakistan trailing by 311 runs, seven wickets remaining on day number three. Daniel Cherney's been watching every ball so far. He is with the age in Melbourne, and he joins us here on Stumps once again this season. Hello, Daniel. Good to be with you, Jordan Bryce. Good luck uh, with Hutchie on that one. <laughs> yeah, it ain't going to happen. He's doing it all. The whole budget's gone on him. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have you made so far of the, uh, the the first three days, or most of the first three days anyway, a couple of hours left uh, in day number three? But Australia clearly in the box position right now in the box seat. Um, what have you made of, of the first three days so far of this test match? Oh, it's really it's been a pretty brutal display from Australia, particularly days two and three. Um, well, really, I suppose since since about lunch on day one, uh, Pakistan, their overs did pretty well uh, to get to lunch un, unbeaten on day one. But uh, the, the Aussies ripped through them in the second second um, session of that day, and uh, it was a, a little bit of a fight back on day three. But for the most part, this has been a an absolutely um, fearsome display from Australia. Real classic, um, real, real sort of classic Gabba demolition job. Um, sort of uh, very much uh, a, a throwback to uh, the days of. Um, Sort of, of, of my childhood when, they, when the Aussies routinely just beat up on um, whoever was uh, was touring uh, the Gabba and, and set the tone for, for the whole summer. Uh, this, this has been quite, you know, it brings back memories of a few tests. But that one where they, um, actually the one where Gillespie and McGrath made all those runs against New Zealand, it's very similar to that actually, sort of New Zealand making a modest first innings total um, and Australia making a huge total and then Australia just um, taking early wickets and, and looking set for a huge innings w- in victory, so very similar here. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been one sided, and um, and uh, really Australia have done very little wrong, and Pakistan have done not much right. Daniel, you make a good point that it, it has been well, all Australia's going. But in that first session, when Pakistan went out there and they left the ball, they were so disciplined at the way they played. I thought, hold on, hold on, that they've they've really unlocked the key to playing at the Gabba early. But then it was followed up with a whole lot of rash shots and they collapsed pretty quickly. Mm. It's nearly indicative of of Pakistan when the pressure gets applied. They can hold on for some time, but then it just all, all, the the floodgates really open up. Yeah, I think you're right, Bryce. They um, haven't shown a, a, a lot here, Pakistan. Um, the middle order has crumbled. You know, Babar Azam, we know he's such a talented player. I mean, he, he probably I think he probably typifies it more than ever, more than anyone. He, he's such a talented. Player um, with the and his white ball record is so excellent, but he just hasn't been able to, to make it make it click in uh, in Test cricket so far. Um, and you know his, his his shot on day one sort of summed that up a little bit. Um, I think just generally though um, Australia's superiority in these conditions and just you know the conditions clearly playing a factor. Um, the extra bounce, um, you know, you're right. They were, they, the openers were watchful in, in the first session, but um, so as once Cummins. Particular, uh, you know, Stark and Hazelwood two got going. It was really it, it became pretty pretty um, grim viewing for for Pakistani fans, uh, and um, you know they were added for what was it, 240, which given that they were unbeaten at uh, lunch, um, you know it was, it, was a, it was a pretty bad result. But, I mean, they, they did show up in that tour match that they, they could apply themselves at a big partnership there. What was that, Sachafik and, and Baba? That they they went on and batted for a long period of time, but. Um, there's just uh, it, it's pretty brutal here, um, Pakistan, and um, like so many sides of the journey, they, they just haven't been able to, to last for an extended period of time at the Gabba. 
did there look like there was a uh, a clear mental shift from Pakistan after that lunch break on day number one as well. I mean, you say that the Australian bowlers got on top, and I don't deny that because the the pitch was doing a bit for the fast bowlers. But to me, there also looked like I, I felt that there was, you know, they went into the sheds at lunch and came back out wanting to play a different way instead of continuing on with what the openers were doing in that first session on day number one, and they tried to play a bit more expansively, and that's how they ended up toppling over. Is that do you reckon that's true or? Or was it just purely down to the to the Australian bowlers doing so well? Oh no, I, th- I think you're. I think you've, you've got a pretty good point there, Jordan. I think Australia. Um, I think Australia had, had been didn't deviate too much from their early plans. I think they were pretty consistent across um, all of day one um, with, with their lines and lengths. So just sort of um, and just try, and, and sort of, you know watch rinse and repeat and just making um, making Pakistan, you know, forcing Pakistan to as a false strokes. Was sort of yeah, putting pressure on Pakistan to make the mistakes, and and and, um, and when one sort of fell, they all, um, you know, clearly they all, all, all fell on pile. And I think um, that was when um, the application of the opener that the openers had during the first session wasn't necessarily there, um, or probably wasn't there during the second session. Um, so while there was some some, some craft, some craft and goals shown by the Aussie bowlers, um, you know, clearly it's, it's a combination of both, and um, Pakistan um, went up to it. So you know whether that's a you know, who knows what you put that down to? Whether it's just um, you know a lack of application, whether it's, it's a mental failing, or it's a technical failing, um, whatever it was, it, uh, they clearly weren't up to it, um, and um, and the results were there for all to see uh, you know, pretty quickly. Daniel, do you think a story out of this is maybe the success of the selectors that they've they've made a change at the opening position, and Joe Burns rewarded them handsomely with a ninety-seven, and um, obviously he was devastated not to uh, to, to make a hundred, but also with Marnus Labashane, uh that they've they've showed a lot of faith in him. They, they've spoken about his resilience. So are the selectors on the right path here to getting that that formula right, for, particularly for our top six bats? The bowlers pick themselves, but for the top six bats. Yeah, no, I think you're right, Bryce. I think Australia's selectors, uh, it's a national pastime and um, to, to pot the selectors, and that's understandable. Everyone's got an opinion, and, 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 it's, and it's good. It's healthy for Australian cricket when people care about the test side enough that they have opinions and don't don't like people, certain people on the team, while others there. Um, but I think um, overall, the selectors have done a pretty solid job in the last twelve months. Um, I mean, I think there was, probably the most controversy ahead of this test was the inclusion of Cameron Bancroft in the 13. But yeah, he's not playing. Um, and Burns, I think, uh, he's shown again that he, you know he's backed up his, his pretty solid record in Australian conditions. Um, he's got you know, a test average mm-hmm. of 40 heading into the test, so um, he, he's, he's a reasonably proven player. He probably had not quite done it consistently enough um, across Shield cricket and international cricket to sort of be an absolute block, and that's why others. Have, Got to look in across the journey, um, but I think you know he at the, very, at the moment is sort of the um, he was the least. Um, yes, I, I don't think he'd made an absolutely compelling case to be selected, but he probably done a le- had the least crosses against him, um, yep. and, four, and, and and you know and back that up. I mean, admittedly, you know this is not this is not um, Test cricket; it's an absolute pinnacle. Uh, Pakistan at the Gabba, that, that you know you should be making runs against Pakistan at the Gabba, really, because they're on the middling side, and this is a fortress for Australia, and this is where Australian players should should thrive. But it's, it's a very good start from Joe Burns. Marnus, I think, is, is one um, is, is, a, is an excellent point. I think he um, there was a lot of controversy around his selection initially in the, of the Pakistan series last year. I think people forget that he 
um, I heard a commentator today say, you know, he made his debut against India last year. You know, he played those two tests against Pakistan and the UAE. That's right. Um, uh, but then, uh, and then brought back about number three against India, which was on the back of not many shield runs. And that was seen to be, <clears throat> excuse me, a controversial selection. And uh, he sort of was, was gritty in that match without going on with it. And then uh, people thought, oh, what's he doing in the Ashes squad? But he made so many runs for Glamorgan um, and he worked hard in his technique and managed to master his English conditions and uh, got his opening, as we know, at Lords after Steve Smith's uh, injury. And, you know, the rest was history. They had, had an excellent Ashes series after that. And, but, you know, came into this this test uh, on the back of a couple of low scores in Shield Creek of, of, of late. Um, and I, I, I think it was really important that he made the big century first up because for all he had done in the Ashes and a little bit against Sri Lanka last season, yet to, to make a test century and that, that had been what uh, that had been his eighth or ninth test so you know it's starting to mount you know if he just if he missed out again um, I feel like that would have been, would have been an elephant on his um, or, you know, monkey on his back but yep. uh, clearly that's not the case he went on and really uh, made it count 185 and he looked devastated to be out for 185 he sort of was in shock when he got out having edged one um, so uh, I mean, he's a guy who's clearly very hungry for runs which is great for Australia for that long um, and he looks like he's going to be a test player for a long time now. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I think, well, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to, I was agreeing with you that I, I certainly think he will be, and we've probably just seen the making of him. We've seen the development from, as you said, and you, you painted the history picture so beautifully, which is what he's come through, and we, we've been, we want more, you know, show us a bit more. And but it's he's been, been, it's able been to a deliver. very quick development as well from, from point A to point B to now. It's been a very quick development for Marnus Lavashane over that time. Indeed, it has. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You know, I think you, I think you're right, guys. He's been, um, and the selectors have been vindicated. I mean, sometimes you know, it was probably a the stats probably didn't comply. I mean, his stats were always a little bit better. I think people gave him credit for. Like he, he'd actually had a reasonably, he, he certainly hadn't been a, a terrible domestic player for Queensland. Um, he'd, he'd been a pretty good player without absolutely dominating. Um, so maybe he used it slightly earlier than the stats would have otherwise suggested. But um, you know, it was one of those. Um, so it's hunch calls and, um, you know, we criticise the selectors when they, they miss on some of these, but um, they clearly struck with this one. Um, so all credit to them. So Steve Smith would be on the outer. He's failed. That would be, uh, <laughs> be some pressure on Steve Smith now, wouldn't it? But <laughs> is that, yeah, the, well, is that we... on the newspaper tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think actually um, I, I would expect to, to read a little bit about... Um, Yassir Shah, who actually went for a double century today, but he actually, I think he's got Steve Smith seven times in test cricket, so he is one yeah. player that does seem to have Smith's measure. Um, I think that's a, you know that's over a fair period of time, but um, I'm clearly, uh, obviously, but you're being facetious there. Yeah, um, of course. But, he, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it is, it, is, it is funny, but I suppose it shows he is only human, and um, it's it's a very healthy sign for Australian cricket Last. that um, Steve, Steve Smith can make the lowest score of Australia's team and uh, the Aussies are still you know, making an enormous total and a set for a crushing win. It's, um, it's a great sign. Last one, uh, Daniel. The, um, the the Pakistan team, especially the bowling attack, well, the, the most of the team anyway we know is very inexperienced, but the bowling uh, lineup in particular with uh, Nassim Shah, the 16-year-old, and Imran Khan, who is uh, 32 but hasn't played too many tests either. Um, the talk around the, the, the build-up to the match and the selection of the Pakistan team a lot of focus on Muhammad Abbas and whether they would pick him or whether they would go with the 16-year-old Nassim. Um, Abbas left out. Where, what's your thoughts on, on that? And was that a major blunder in hindsight from, from Pakistan to leave 
him out of their, their lineup? Uh, look, of course, it's always easier in hindsight. Uh, and I think you've got to preface that whenever you comment on these things. But um, oh, to me, it looks like a ridiculous call. I mean, he uh, he mightn't have been quite at his best of the last 12 months. He's had some injuries. They thought he wasn't bowling as well in the nets. But he is, you know, he's a world-class bowler. Uh, he, I think he was ranked as high as number three in, in the test bowling rankings uh, around 12 months ago. I mean, he destroyed Australia in the UAE last year. Just make them look... Make, make them, Look silly, um, and you know these aren't conditions. You know, you expect you go over the UAE. It's all the spinners that dominate. It was a, it was a guy who doesn't bowl particularly fast. He bowls what one one twenties, but he's just just that 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 seam and, and, and a little bit of movement. It just and, and and the precision. It's just masterful. Um, so there was a really good piece actually um, for your listeners uh, on Quick Info by um, Pakistani uh, journalist Osman Samyuddin, who's an outstanding writer and knows more Pakistani cricket than pretty much anyone. Uh, he um, he really uh, nailed this point about the, the decision to pick Imran Khan ahead of a bus. Uh, I think that the selection of the team was understandable. He wants some, some pace and yeah. you know, some variation with Shaheen, who bowls left arm. But Imran Khan, only himself bowling one twenty, you know, high one twenties, one thirties, a little bit quicker than um, and took the five in, in Perth. But oh, it's just hard to believe that they could leave out a guy over bus's quality and um, you know. We sit here with Australia having made 580, and it's hard to suggest that it was a wise decision to leave him out. Well, there's no doubt, no doubt that a bus will come in. The next test is in Adelaide. It's a day-night test. The ball will be moving around. He yeah. is an absolute lock for the next test. Would you suggest that? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's, it's, well, uh, they can't possibly go with the same combination. Uh, I think you know, it'd be hard to see them going with the same combination, and I think you're right. It's, it's, those are the conditions where you'd imagine someone like that um, would would succeed, um, so I tend to agree. And yeah, it'll probably be at the expense of um, uh, of Imran. I mean, potentially they could go look at you know. I mean, Shaheen wasn't uh, Shaheen was probably the pick of the bowlers today. Nassim uh, took the wicket um, of um, of Warner really, uh, but really none of them, none of them particularly damaging clearly because they you know, he's just gone on and made five eighty. So uh, yeah, uh, I think we can pretty safely expect to see you know, Hamid Abbas playing at the at Adelaide Oval next week. Daniel, pleasure talking to you again uh, this afternoon on Stumps. Enjoy the rest of uh, what remains of the Test match and the rest of the summer as well. I'm sure we'll speak to you again over the course of the next few weeks. Thank you, mate. Pleasure, guys. Have a good one. Dan Journey there from The Age uh, in Melbourne. Uh, so we'll keep you up to date with what's been happening and what will happen in the Gabba at the moment with uh, day number three winding down to a close. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you here on Stumps. After the break, though, we'll turn our attention to the Women's Big Bash League and chat with Amelia Kerr from the Brisbane Heat. They've been enjoying a very good season on top of the WBBL, so we'll get uh, a bit of a word of what's been happening inside the camp for the league leaders so far. This is Stumps. Jordan and Bryce returning next. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Stumps here with Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain. Good to be back with you. We'll turn our attention to the Women's Big Bash League, which continues on. We are now very much coming down to the end of the season. Only a few rounds left for the women's competition before we get towards the uh, the finals and the final itself. And one of the teams who we're sure will be there will be right in and around, Bryce. No doubt at all. Brisbane Heat. And the next person we're about to speak to is uh, you two are kindred spirits. You both roll the wrist over the same direction. Yeah, Amelia's probably never, ever heard of me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm very, very happy to have her on the line. Don't worry about that. Amelia Kerr from the Brisbane Heats is with us here on Stumps. Hello, Amelia. How have you been enjoying the season so far with the Heat? Thanks for having me. Um, 
and yeah, I'm loving it so far. The the coaching staff, all the players, the facilities over here, and the competition. Um, it's an incredible experience. So I'm I'm just really really soaking soaking it up and trying to learn as much as I can. And um, it's nice that we've been going going well lately. The the heat have been, and hopefully we can keep that momentum going forward. Have you ever heard of my co-host Bryce McGain? Don't do that. You put her on the spot. <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry, but no, I haven't. <laughs> it's all right. There we you go. Didn't, didn't no. expect. <laughs> no, well, we, we just need to embrace our league spin uh, bowlers as well. Amelia, been really impressed with what I've been um, seeing in the WBBL from the Brisbane Heat. Um, you, you just mentioned how much you're enjoying coming over here. Is that one of the big appeals of coming over from New Zealand to join uh, the well, the Brisbane Heat and be part of the WBBL? Yeah, it's one of the um, best tournaments going around and um, for us coming over here, the trainings, getting to train outside and play outside um, all the t- all the time with the weather over here um, and with the quality of all the, the depth in Australia and then the international players, it makes it a really good tournament. So heading into international fi- fixtures coming up, um, it's really good preparation for for um, me and other pl- players around the world as well. So, what's been the secret to the Heat's uh, performance this year? Obviously, the, we've got the you have the most informed batsman in Beth Mooney at the top of the order. She's been unbelievable yet again. She dominates the WBBL, um, but it, it's such a good team environment. You were really challenged. I was commentating the game against the Renegades, and it's such a belief in your group. Uh, you were really challenged by the Renegades, but you didn't sway at all, and you just stuck to the plan. It was so impressive. Um, what what has been that secret? Yeah, I guess Beth has been awesome for us, but I think in our side we've got a really good balance um, and we have have a lot of depth. So um, it's nice that every player is con- contributing as well to this to this team. Um, and I think because we have that depth and that flexibility in our bowling order and our batting, um, we can play with we, we're playing with more confidence. And I just think we um, back, have the belief. Um, and ourselves and each other to win from any position. Has that been has that been a different uh, sort of mindset mentality that you've that you've approached this season with than what you have in the past? Yeah, well, this is my first um, season. Se- <coughs> sorry, this is my first season with the Heat. But um, like every cricket game I go into, I'm a real big believer in. Um, because cricket's such a fickle game, it's never over till till the last ball, and in in an over can change a game. And in cricket, so I think we have that mentality to never give up. And in the last few games, where um, other teams have got off to a flyer, we've kept kept going and stuck at it, and managed to come away with the win. So I think if we can just keep that mentality going going forward, and um, just have that have that belief um, in ourselves and each other. Amelia, you talk like a veteran, but you're 19 years old, but you have had an incredible number of international games. At what age did you debut for New Zealand? Uh, 16 uh, when I first played for New Zealand. So I came in quite young, but um, they New Zealand cricket were very supportive of me and the team there. So I think like they still gave me the opportunity to still be a kid and um, grow into myself as a cricketer and a person, which I think was very... Um, 
valuable. So I've been I've been fortunate with that. But yeah, started at quite a young age. And you've got a strong pedigree as well, the family pedigree. Tell us a little bit about grandfather, uh, mum and dad. Yeah, my mum's dad played for the Black Caps. Um, he opened the batting, and then both my both my parents played for Wellington, and my sister's also in the Wellington Blaze um, with me back home, and she's just picked up a rookie contract as well um, for, I think, one of eight de- of the developing contracts. So that's awesome to see her doing well. Now, you hold a, a world record as well, don't you, in the women's game, in women's one-day internationals? Yeah, I, I do. Um <laughs> You need to share it now, yeah, Amelia. Yeah, yeah, you you, you don't have now. to be modest. You can let it. Let us know. <laughs> um, yeah, the thing was last year uh, over in England, we had some prep, prep before we played England and South Africa, and we were in Ireland. So I got the opportunity to open the batting in one of the games, and I guess I wanted to make the most of that opportunity and do something special with it, and. I had a bit of luck along the way, and uh, it was just one of those days where everything seemed to fall into place for me. Just a very modest 232 not out, if you don't mind, against Ireland, beating our own uh, Belinda Clark's record for the highest score in a uh, in a women's one-day international. Very impressive, Bryce. Uh, Amelia, things don't just fall into place and yeah. uh, you stumble and slip on the soap and make 230-odd <laughs> runs. Like that's, that's out of control. <laughs> obviously, it's a part of your game you're working on. You, you're probably more renowned initially as, as a league spin bowler, but obviously your batting's right up there as well. Yeah, definitely come on the scene as a league spinner and batting's something that's important to me and something I want to keep getting better at so in the future I can be a genuine all-rounder. Um, this big... This women's big bash tournament's been really good as I've had a few opportunities with the bat, um, which has just helped me um, develop develop more as I'm getting a bit more game time out in the middle and learning how to play to different situations. So it's nice it's nice to get a few more batting opportunities and yeah, hopefully hopefully I can keep improving in that area of the game. Uh, are you enjoying the the professional environment in the WBBL? And I guess further to that, are, are they are you full time professional with New Zealand? Um, yeah, the, uh, over here it's uh, very well organised, and um, the, obviously the facilities and the coaches that I touched on. Um, uh, yeah, it is very professional, and we have great su- support over here and our setups um, back home. We've just had our new MOU um, and our contract system, so that's improved a lot and we're getting paid a bit more and training together more as a team. So it's starting to become a bit bit more professional. Um, not everybody in New Zealand is able to be full-time professional, but if you can get gigs overseas, it all adds up. So I, even though not all of us are full-time professionals, I do think, the advantage we have as New Zealanders is that having other work you can do or study, which just provides you with balance. What have you been doing in that respect? Um, working or studying? I am studying online, so um, I can do it while I'm overseas. So I'm doing a BA, majoring in education and sociology. So smart cookie as well. See, that's what league spinners are. They're the, oh, they're the intelligent <laughs> ones of the team. So uh, she has the brains and also the skill to, to perform and with the bat and ball. So I'm most impressed, Amelia. Fantastic. What, what's coming up on the horizon? Uh, what's up next for the Heat? Um, we, oh, we just got home from a few weeks on the road and then we play the Ma- Melbourne Renegades on 
Wednesday. So that'll be a really good game. Obviously, the last game against them um, went down to the wire, so oh, yeah. it should should be another good, good contest against them. Who, who do you think's the biggest threat? Because clearly, uh, Brisbane Heat are, are clear on top. They're two games clear on top. Who's the biggest threat? You've played them all once now. Who do you think it might be? Yeah, I think in this tournament, every team, um, every team can win. Win. It's um, there's a lot of class players in every side, and I think it's awesome that this tournament's so close, and um, every game, every game has a potential to go either way, which make makes it for a great tournament to watch. So. Um, yeah, it's tough to say who who's the hardest to face because every team provides different challenges. Amelia, very best of luck to you with uh, your game against the Renegades coming up this week and then the uh, ending game against the Melbourne Stars. And uh, we'll see you uh, in the finals, I'm sure, with the Brisbane Heat. The, uh, they'd be the favourites for the WBBL. So, Amelia, <laughs> uh, thank you very much for joining us today and good luck towards the end of the season. Thank you for your time. Amelia Kerr joining us there from the Brisbane Heat Women's Big Bash League, and they are, they are in the box seat. Absolutely. Uh, modest, talented, and uh, it will play a big role, no doubt, in the Brisbane Heat. I think they're going to win it. I've looked at yep. all the teams. They, they are really, really well organised. They know their role, and they've got some terrific players, including Amelia. So well, it was great. We'll wrap things up on Stumps next. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you going around the cricketing world. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Stumps here with Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain. You snuck in there, didn't you? Yeah, just just slithered my (laughs) way in. Um, Wrapping things up here, we'll take a quick look around the cricketing world because there are other test matches on at the moment, in particular England and New Zealand. Stumps on, what is it, day number, I'm trying to do the maths here, day number three over there as well. And it's some good news. England are behind. Hey, that's what's good. Go. <laughs> but do we rejoice in the fact that New Zealand are in front? These are our two biggest enemies. Oh no! Oh, well, I, I, think it's, I think it's better that New Zealand are ahead rather yeah, than England. Yeah. <laughs> England uh, bowled out in their first innings three fifty three and six for three nine four. Uh, New Zealand going well. There's another test going on as well. There is India and uh, and Bangladesh. The second test there, day nighter, and uh, Bangladesh all out in their first innings for one oh six, and India at the moment leading by sixty eight. They are three. 174 at Stumps. Virat Kohli primed on 59, not out. He'll uh, probably declare the innings when he's had enough batting, probably around when he gets to about 300, I think. One thing that we haven't spoken about over the course of this season so far is the, uh, and we only have a couple of moments to touch on it, but I just think Bangladesh, their test team, it's they've been great. They've been building up. We've spoken about them before, but that suspension to Shakib Al-Hassan, that's going to rattle them a little bit. It's going to have an enormous impact to their team and, yeah. and would have rattled them uh, all the way through. Great to see the Aussies up uh, doing so well at the Gabba. Don't forget the second test starts next Friday, so we're back-to-back rolling straight into it. That's at the Adelaide Oval. Primetime telly. I love a day-night test. You do? Oh, I love them. Love them. Pink ball. Pink ball. Brilliant. Excellent. Bryce, pleasure. It's been great. As always, Jordan. Australia currently in the box seat. 580 they made today. Pakistan, as we speak, three for 60, trailing by... 280 runs with seven wickets remaining. Hopefully this time next week, I think we will be talking Australia 1-0 up in the tests. We'll see you next week on Stumps.